three, two, one. Here we go! Non-issue, handled internally. I'm not talking about it. Now, what don't we understand about that? Do you understand what internally means? It's been handled internally. We're not talking about it. It's over with. Move on. Next question. Got nothing to say? Enjoy your day, fellas. We'll see you at Iverwind Stadium. Welcome to the Blue Bombers Handled Internally podcast. I'm Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com. Joined, as always, by the Blue Bombers Chief Consigliere, the Senior Director of Player and Public Relations, Darren Cameron. And also, I should point out, the Blue Bombers Handled Internally podcast is now brought to you by PlayNow.com. Bomber fans, PlayNow.com reminds you that when you bet on blue, there's only one legal online sports book in Manitoba. Only one that guarantees your winnings. Only one where the profits stay here to support your community. Play your bombers at playnow.com, your hometown sports book. Enjoy responsibly. Okay, before we get to today's guest, the legendary Sergio Castillo. Darren, let's talk a little bit about the week ahead and the week that uh, was left behind here with the win over Calgary and we've got uh, a trip to Ottawa this week. Yeah. Uh, Great crowd last week, I thought. Awesome. Uh, Whiteout game coming up, our next home game on the uh, 22nd. So, uh, no, I mean, great summer night at the stadium. Uh, 30,000 plus. Yeah, I mean, it was, I thought, uh, and we got the 4 and one which is important. So, uh, now it's going to be a dogfight all season, it looks like, and, and uh, here we are. So, I mean, 4 and one going to Ottawa. Uh, pretty shitty circumstances out there for them, uh, I think. We speak for everybody around the league, and that's all. Yeah, there's really no words for it. A terrible, absolute terrible thing. And cruel is, is one of the things I found myself saying on the weekend. A cruel, cruel way for that for their dramatic Jeremiah season end. I mean, after what went on last year and the year with the road back, yeah, I mean, it's just sickening. Yeah, a guy works his about a whole year to get back, more than a year before he gets back on the field, and then to have an Achilles injury like that, to shut him down for another year. It's not something like a old hamstring or a groin that's going to keep him out a few weeks. It's, it, it, it's it was devastating. Al- it was almost unbelievable to be watching. Like, yeah. as it was happening, it was almost like the, you were you just couldn't believe that this was happening. Yeah. You know, and you know, the family there and all this. It just... Well, and there's side things too. We're both, uh, you more than me, but we're both tight with Bob Dice, the Ottawa head coach. I have a lot of respect for him. And now, you know, they're on to a, a, a rookie quarterback starting this week in Dustin Crum. Um, it just, it changes, you know, it's, it's terrible for Jeremiah, but it's, it certainly changes the outlook in Ottawa. You know, they'll soldier on and, and still be uh, tough and they're in position to still make the playoffs in the East, but it should change their landscape there for the Red Legs too. Yeah, I mean, I uh, ran out shortly after it happened. I sent the text over to, to Sean Burke, their, their GM, and I talked to Bobby after the game briefly. Uh, you know, both, it, not surprisingly, both of them said they feel most bad for the player, and rightfully so, obviously. Uh, there, is a, there is a business element to this, unfortunately, for Sean especially, uh, that as as this is unfolding, not only can you feel a horrible pit in your stomach for what has happened, but you have to you have to move forward at the same time and try and figure out what you're going to do next. Uh, so you know, it's a and those the both those guys are great guys and been doing uh, doing great work in the league for a long time. 
you know, I pretty confident that Logan Hill was going to fire it up to the moment to, to keep on the rolling. But yeah, it's an absolutely shitty, horrible situation for everybody. Um, you know, the most notable, of course, Jeremiah. So they had signed two quarterbacks today. Yeah, and he's one for Piggy. I mean, including he, Tyrell. Yeah, oh, yeah, and that's great to see. He's a he's a he's a good kid. I mean, you know, it's uh, not exactly the easiest quarterback stable here to uh right. to stick around in and and uh, he did some good things in the preseason so looking forward to seeing him looking forward to getting to ottawa and um you know maybe uh have a steak and see what else is going so we'll move over to sergio yeah. he's been sitting patiently we've been trying to get him for for basically since he he uh he signed here re-signed for the third time now uh or acquired for the third time he brushed us off multiple times but uh here he is finally what a way to welcome <laughs> no that that completely made up they never <laughs> but no we're pumped to have you buddy and i you know i know uh we've talked a lot over the years known each other a long time and uh, you know how pumped i was to get that sorted out in uh in may or whatever that was april late april early may whatever yeah that whole thing came down and we'll be with we talked a lot within that four hour period and Glad it worked out, man. Great to see you back in the building. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me here. It's uh, it's definitely great to be back. I feel like I'm I'm home. Yeah, right. And and when you know at first when the whole situation happened with Edmonton, I was obviously bummed, right? You want to have a job, right? And then just how things unfolded within 24 hours, uh, my whole family was happy, right? Just because of you know obviously I feel like I'm home here, but my wife Adriana, she felt very family oriented here yeah. from the get go. And and I think that's that's an ingredient to to win. Right? It's uh so all the wife's happy, I'm happy, mom happy, she's happy. So yeah. Definitely happy to be back and uh, you know, this past you know, Friday play in front of thirty thousand people for what was the second time. Yeah. In the three home games. It's definitely fortunate to to be in that situation. Yeah. You, uh, we kind of start from the beginning of your career. We'll just maybe touch a little bit on Edmonton. Uh, obviously, you know, tough, city, tough season you know, last year. And you've been through that here. Uh, you know, I think maybe your first time. Figured we were, we were still trying to, you know, gain our traction a little bit. And those are tough, man. Those are tough times. You've said to me so many times on the bench in the last five games that you're enjoying this. You know, enjoying the. You know, enjoying being on the other side of it, man, right? I mean, being on the other side of, of, of success and throughout people's careers in football, you go through uh, both sides, but usually mm-hmm. at some point. And uh, it's sure it's sure nice to be uh, in the, you know, living the, the time that this franchise is right now. Well, de- definitely, you know, especially it's just, it feels like I never left from 21. Yeah. You know, just like came back into the locker room with the guys and to be able to, be myself with these guys like it's just right off the bat that's what that's what makes it fun too right you know kicking and nexus and those i feel like you know we've been doing that over and over but the memories conversations that we have yeah. outside of football that's what you carry on right that's what makes it you know worth it you know coming back here did you did, sorry there's one more did you did you did you sense that this this may be headed this way from from edmonton standpoint throughout the offseason or it did just how did you that of so I mean, it just—I mean, I heard some rumors over the off season. I remember uh, it was sometime in March. I, uh, I picked up uh, 
another hobby. I'm a semi-pro photographer now. <laughs> yes, yes, this is true. And I remember I was the at the FC Dallas game. And one of my buddies, he got me in, he got me some credentials and I was taking pictures. And I had seen something on social media, like, there might be trading me. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense, right? I had to sign, re restructure my contract, you know, I got a, a bonus with them. So I'm like, I brushed it off, you know, it doesn't make any sense, right? And then, um, you know, just how things started unfolding where they started signing a lot of guys, um, you know, left and right. And I'm like, this kind of, you know, maybe they do want to go younger. You know, or I guess you say just a, you know, cheaper rent because my contract was different over there, right? And then just the way it unfolded, you know, that Wednesday before training camp, it was just, I, I just had a weird feeling, right? And then, um, like I said, just very fortunate and blessed how this how it happened because I could easily have been on the streets, right? Where just not a job, you know, it's a week before training camp, it's very tough. Almost everyone's ready with their guys. And, you know, I think uh, I think this is where it goes more than football. Yeah. The relationships that I've been able to build with you guys, mm -hmm. I think it goes. I think it goes fluidly, right? You know, because it's just. I think why. I mean, before I got here, the reason Money Tech's been winning is because of the people, the individuals, right? You can have great players. I feel every every team has great players, but can you bring in that chemistry? And that is so hard to do. I've been, you know. You know, 17, we were struggling when I was in Hamilton. Um, you know, 19, and then, you know, Edmonton is just, there's a lot, there's great players in every locker room, but the thing is, can they chip, right? And that's something very hard to do, right? You have all these guys coming from different backgrounds, different situations coming from home, right? What are they dealing with? And here, we're able to be in the locker room to be vulnerable with each other, right? To get to, you know, Willie's like, well, I'm struggling with this. If you see someone like Willie's caliber saying, hey, I'm struggling with this, and it's like, it's just like you're so much more relaxed. I'm like, if he's able to open up, okay, I'm gonna open up. Mm -hmm. And then be like, you know what, Serge? You're not only playing for you, you're playing for Adrian, you're playing for your son. That's when it goes more than just making a picture. No. Right? And that's what it, I think that's what it means, like play for your brother. It's when you get to know that person and why they're doing it, that's what brings success. When, just not to keep hammering away on what happened in Edmonton, but when you get called in and it's, you know, thanks for coming out sort of thing, we're going to move on. Mm -hmm. There's that, whether you're getting phone calls or not, there's that window where you, there's so much uncertainty, right? And you, you're so open about how important your family is, not that it isn't for everybody else, but your family's with you. But there's a, well, you're pretty vulnerable, right? You mentioned this, you, you don't know. If you're gonna hook up with some, another team or what's going on, that had to be the worst because you had you put up good numbers last year. You're very established, but it's May fourth. That's that's the thing. The timing was is really tough. Yeah. yeah, the timing, and it was just very frustrating because I understand. Okay, hey, search. I'll take another pay cut. You know, I'm all about the team. Fine, but if I had put bad numbers, I would understand. But I felt like, especially once you know John Ryan came in, he helped Peter a lot or Snapper. And you know, I finished nineteen for twenty with him. Mm. So I understand if I would have kept going the way I did the first eight games, which was pretty horrendous. I think I missed four kicks the first nine games, mm. right? And only I missed four or five a year. Mm. And then to finish nineteen out of twenty, okay, I would understand. Hey, search if you was bad, okay, take it and pick. But it's just I felt like I was contributing to the team. I felt like I was contributing to the locker room, and you know, I was invested into the community, right? I had signed a two-year deal, and it's like my mindset is like I want to stay here. And I want 
you know, bring myself to this community. I want to help kick, I want to help develop kickers here too, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, so it was just very frustrating because of the numbers that that we were able to put up as a, as a, as a field goal unit towards the second half of the season. Uh, but yeah, the uncertainty, we always talk about this, um, you know, my wife and I is just, your, your, your job is so unstable, right? And that's why she's very hesitant to come up here with me. You know, she's a school teacher and she's like, one of us has to be, have a stable job in mm-hmm. case I, something like that would have happened and then I would have not been able to let you on here. Right, yeah, tough. Yes. All right, let's, uh, let's kind of go back a little bit. Start back when you were playing, when I started with soccer. Mm-hmm. You were raised by women, right? You're yes. Some strong women. Yes, very strong. And uh, maybe tell us about your, your upbringing and how you got into the, how you got into football and kind of transition, I think, from soccer. Tell us about your story. So uh, I was raised by my mom, my two aunts, my tia Rosi, my tia Berta, and my grandma, Rome Maria. Uh, to this day, she's very stubborn. So I was raised by very four very strong women, along with my two uncles, my tío Ramón, um, he rest in peace, and my tío Lupe, right, tío Lupe's uncle. And I was a big, big soccer fan. In South Texas, is just soccer's religion, right? We're five minutes from the border, so just soccer, soccer, soccer's our thing, right? And uh, I played a little bit of football in middle school. They didn't take it too serious. But when I got to high school, uh, I played soccer. I played goalie. I was in band. I was in the drum line. And I played baseball. Baseball was my first love. So the way it works in the States, or at least in Texas, you have football in the fall and soccer in the spring. Spring slash winter. So it allowed me to, in case in the future I wanted to do both, right? And I remember it was like in August of my freshman year. On, it was a Wednesday. I remember it was a Wednesday because Wednesdays we did not have band practice. So I went to Coachella on the soccer buddies. You know, we were just chilling. And I remember my goalkeeper coach, Juan Osuna, who was a kicker, Back in the day, he was, he had some footballs there along with my soccer coach, Coach Tomes, who was like my dad. Uh, they were like, hey, just, we were just kicking football, shooting the shit, you know, thinking nothing serious about it, right? This was in August. You know, going through the season, I played soccer, and come May, uh, Coach Tomes, my head coach from soccer, he's like, hey, Sergio, the football team's looking for a kicker. And uh, you remember the last time you were kicking in August? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, we should go try out. I was like, all right. So they had set up a date for me. And, you know, at the time I was dating my first girlfriend ever. So I was in puppy love, right? And she's like, Sergio, you better not go try out because then all the children are going to like you. <laughs> I'm over here all, you know, in love. Think- so I didn't go to the trial for like a week and a half, two weeks. Because of that? Because of that. All right. It was my first girlfriend ever, yeah, yeah. right? And uh, so I didn't show up. And my, my neighbor, who I admired a lot, uh, Homer Acevedo, he dragged me. To, to the football trial. And I kicked a couple days in a row, didn't think much of it. That was in May, school is over, we're in summer, and now it's August the 8th, 2006, we're in bank camp my sophomore year, we're bad to go, it's a state year. So in, in Texas, you get to compete for state every other year. So that sophomore year was our, my sophomore year was my year to compete for state. And uh, our high school was about 6,000 kids. So our band was about 300 kids. So we had Mr. Rubin, I'm our band director. He was up on the, a large podium and we had speakers all around the football field where we practice band. And then out of nowhere here, he yells my name, Sergio, uh, Coach Ria Senor, the head coach for football, wants to talk to you. I'm like, I questioned myself, why does he want to talk to me? I had totally forgotten about the football trial. 
And I'm like, he's like, yeah, go meet him at his office. Okay, so I go, and I remember I entered to the weight room, and Coach Aron Garcia, Aaron Garcia, special teams coordinator, bald-headed guy, he was doing cable flies on the cable machine, and just sweat is just coming down his head. Just big old muscular guy. I was scared to death. And he's like, Sergio, come into the, the locker room. So I remember, when, if you ever come, get to come visit Alfredo, Texas, it's a weight room. You go into the locker room, and there's a big old coyote painted, and it says Coyote Den, Coyote Den. And I remember seeing two lockers. I see Richard Cantu, number 24, and Joe Garza, number 27. They were the only two sophomores on the varsity team. And then I see number 26, Sergio Castillo. Then I said, you'll be a coyote. And I was like, what? Wow. So the night they had it set up for me. They did. Wow. I had totally forgotten about the tryout back in May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I go to Coach Villasenor and introduce myself again, you know, he's like, Sergio, come across to the team, blah, blah, blah. Mind you, I don't like football. I don't understand it. My thing is soccer and baseball and band. And I'm like, look, if I can't march, you know, with the band, I'm not going to play football. And we came over the sketch. So every day at 6 a.m., my mom would drive me to school. I practice in the morning, you know, and I get ready for school. And after school, I had band practice. What, do, what are you, were you in the band? Were you the band? I was in the drum line. Yeah, yeah, okay. So in our drum line, we were, I was a fifth bass drum out of six. We had six bass drums. And then we had the snare drums, we had five, and then we had cymbal players, we had another six or seven. So we were a pretty big drum line. Wow. And uh, my first kick ever was a game winner. It wow. was uh, Friday the 13th, October 13th, 2006. We were playing at Donna High School. It was 26 yards left the It was raining. I hit the ball. That Back then, I didn't have any technique at all, so I just bend it, right? Like a soccer player. I didn't know what to do. What did I do? I screamed, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> and I did a soccer celebration where I dove, you know, hit first, and that's the only time I got my jersey dirty on the grass. Did you even know how to put on shoulder pads? Oh, no, nothing, man. Like, he always sure he sold this if he ever seen it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how I started my career. Like, oh, yeah. something else. So I was very fortunate, you know, I was able to do band, football. Jeez. And, and then uh, in the spring, I would do, uh, we had concert season. My thing was playing the marimbas, the silent from the bells, then with the mallets, and I played soccer. So the one thing I did miss out, not so much, but in my freshman year in band, after we were done marching, we had these bomb-ass tacos, barbecue tacos from Felix tacos, which are still there, by the way. <laughs> and it, they would put some, it would be fajita with sausage with a little barbecue sauce. So after you're done marching, you get your two tacos. Mm, badass, right? <laughs> well, now I'll play football my sophomore year. I'm not going to be able to get them. I'm like, what the heck? So what I started doing is I started leaving my bass drum next to my kicking net. So my boys, Steven and Roger, when they picked up my drum, they would leave me two tacos and a kicking gun. There you go. There you go. Eating them. Eating the there. there you go. So after high school, and you go to, you you decide on uh, West Texas A&M. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So so you had many many offers. That was only one. Oh, West Texas A&M. I remember it was uh, my kicking coach, Coach Paul Osbury, was sending just my film to schools left and right, and they were all like, "Oh, we'll think about it. We'll think about it." And he, and he calls uh, West Texas, and this is February 3rd, 2009. It's on a Monday. February 4th is signing day, or the first day of signing day, right? And uh, he's talking to Coach Deason, who was a special teams coordinator at the time. And he's like, he said the same, Coach Deason said the same thing. Oh, we'll think about it. Coach Paul, he winks at me. He's like, well, Sergio has six other offers on the line. You know, signing day is tomorrow. <laughs> oh, my God. 
20 minutes later, Coach Carthel, the head coach, Sergio, would you want to be a Buffalo? And I'm like, heck yeah. So we'll sign tomorrow. Oh, Special teams coach you have. Yeah. So, and then I, I read you almost, you almost like did, either didn't go or left, right? Because of yeah, the, so it was like a culture that was so like, it was a like big, a racism thing. It was a big culture shock. Um, the only time I saw uh, white people was with Border Patrol. So I kind of had like a negative um, kind of feeling yeah. with them, you know, and it's just, just where I'm from, you know, there's just a lot of people who are, you know, they, they cross for a better life. Sure. They come to the U.S. for a better life and a lot of my family, yeah. right? And I'm just, I'm very fortunate that I was born in the States and I'm a U.S. citizen, right? It, and it frustrates me to this day when I see kids who have that citizenship and are taking advantage of the opportunity. Yeah. And yet you have a lot of other kids who can only go so far because of they don't have that citizenship, yeah. right? Um, so yes, I go to West Texas A&M. It's the first time I see, uh, you know, just a different color than mine, constantly, right? So after two weeks, uh, you know, there was the, the border wall was a big issue back in 2009. And, uh, you know, when people say jokes, but they're not joking. Yeah. They kept making jokes like that and, you know, um, you know, a beaner and this and that. And, you know, it being so, I mean, it's true, right? A little bit, right? But it just, at the time, I had never really faced that. I had really sure. been away from home. And I called my mom crying. And I'm like, hey, I'm coming home. I can't deal with this, you know, discrimination. Was, I feel like I'm being racist. And were, these your, were these guys on your team or just poor people? Or were they just both. General, yeah. Both. Mainly on the, uh, and it wasn't, it was just a couple guys on the team. And, but it's just, it's just a very different culture. Sure. Just yeah. where I'm from, right? And so I called my mom, like, hey, well, I'm coming home. She's like, Luke, Junior. She called me Junior, right? The only time she called me said he was one of the children. She's like, Junior, you talked a big game. You're going to go to college. You're going to do this, this, and that. You better stick to your words. And I'm like, no, I'm coming home. Like, I, I couldn't deal with it. Well, she calls my, my punny, my kicking coach, Coach Ballsbury, the one that helped me get the, the scholarship. He's like, Sergio, if you come back home, you raise my phone number, and you'll call me again. Wow. And that meant a lot. I was like, you know what? Because he, he's... He did his part, right? And he's like, sent to do one. And that helped me stick with it. So, uh, but yeah, I was put up to. So does, did that, in, like, how did that improve over time? Like, was it just, like, I think you kind of just. So I, I was, I just, you know, just started talking with other, just started to meet with other guys. Yeah. Back then I was very quiet. You know, I had a thicker accent. Uh, my English wasn't English, it was Spanglish. Uh, and I think that's what a lot of people made fun of me too, right? Because I couldn't really, when I get nervous back then, I would go back to Spanish. Okay. You know, I'd be talking, uh, the full sentence would be English and Spanish. And then, you know, I just kept meeting different people uh, within the university and the team. I started relying, we're just leaning on those people, right? And I got to meet different uh, Hispanics, Latinos in, in West Texas. So, so that helped out a lot. You know, I remember there was a, Couple, there, there was a twins, the Reyes twins on the team. They didn't only come in Spanish though. So <laughs> when I saw them last, I was all excited. But their uh, brother-in-law, Julio Tudon, which I'm very close to his day, uh, Chicano, just like me, and they introduced me to him, and he helped me a lot through that. You know, first couple of years. You you mentioned a couple of minutes ago about. Uh, being proud to be born in the U.S. and people taking advantage of the opportunity. Man, it's heartbreaking because you grew up right on a border town. To see these people 
in Mexico and from Guatemala and all these people that are trying to mm -hmm. come through Mexico to get into the states. They're crossing the rivers. They're trying to. They're hiding. It's just. It's in the back of a human trafficking in the back of a truck. It's sad. Yeah. Man. It is sad, and it's just like. And just to get the all political here. No, no. So it, deal, right? it, it, it's, it's real life. Town, right? It's real life because in Mexico, either you die of hunger. Right, because you don't, you know, they barely, you don't make enough money, mm. right? Or you die trying, right? And, and, like, like I said, I have a lot of friends and relatives that, that have gone through that, yeah. right? They've crossed the illegal way for for a better life, right? Right, because if not, they're gonna die over there. And I feel like that's what people don't, some people don't understand is just like how the living situation is over there, mm. right? You know, and it's very frustrating. When, like I said, when I see kids who have the, the citizenship, I'm like, man, you have everything. Take advantage of it. It doesn't matter if you want to do band, you want to do sports, shoot, even debate team, you know. Yeah. We take advantage of all the resources that you have, right? So, and I was very fortunate at a young age, in sixth grade, where it clicked. Where I was like, you know what? I have all these free resources here because I would see all my cousins back in Mexico, how they didn't have money just for like a pencil. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm over here, I'm giving everything, even though my situation still, um, I grew up with everything. And when I say everything, I grew up with love, good lessons, you know, we might not have all the money, but it's like I grew up around that, and what better than that, yeah. right? So, um, going back to, you know, just people coming over here, they come for, they come, they're trying to get a better life, that's all it is, yeah. you know? Yeah. That's all it is. So to transition into something back to football, a little less, uh, sorry, less important. No, I mean, really, in comparison, in comparison to, to the previous topic. But so you, you, fit, you finish college, and then you, you're you undrafted sign in Atlanta. We won't run the gauntlet, because as we talked about kickers. Oh, man, been everywhere. You go everywhere. <laughs> but you, you go into Atlanta, I know you talk about that as your first NFL stop. Mm -hmm. But realistically did you understand the dynamic at the time of uh, they had matt bryant at the time which was at the t i don't think he was, he was the best yeah he was the yeah. best so like i knew i was going as a then i remember they called um my other king coach at the time coach gary zombie he calls me in the times like search falcons need someone who kick off and punt and i'm like shit i'll clean the rest of them so i have to sure <laughs> mind you i had kicked off and punt all my four years in college so i was like you're ready i'm like yeah i've been doing it all along sure so I'm right at and uh I remember I showed up to a tryout, and it was weird. I signed the contract first, and then I do the workout. Oh. Normally, it's the opposite. Yeah. And uh, Coach Armstrong, the special teams coach at the time, he's like, all right, Serge, we're going to do, I think it was like 12 or 16 punts at the time. We're going to do four right, four left, and then we'll switch the fields. And I don't even get past three or four. My punts are so bad. And he's like, Serge, we're done. And I just go banging to him. I'm like, coach, just let me kick some fuels. He's like, no, no. I'm like, coach, just let me kick some fuels. Well, the way the Falcons' three practice fields are is three grass fields, and then they have their indoor. And the kickers are on the third practice field. But then at the time, guys who were doing their rehab was also in the third practice field. William Jones had just broken his foot or something the year before. He was doing his rehab. And then... He, I guess he overheard me begging to let me kick him. He tells the coach, let the kid kick. Oh, shit. I make like 14 or 15 and rolling. Like, Serge, if it wasn't for your fuel, I was about to cut your ass. Yeah. Thank yeah. you, Julio Jones. Right? 
And then, um, so ideology is there for a Catholic, right? You know, Matt Bryant, he's, he's a legend. And uh, uh, I remember I got to... But so what? I mean, that, that's a foot in the door, right? Yeah, that's it was a foot in the door. And, you know, I, I was able to play, you know, the in, one inter-squad game against Tennessee and I had one preseason game. Went two for two. Ended up punting well. And the next week we were in Houston, Texas. I was so excited. Sure. All my families were going to yeah, shoot Leo. My family from Mexico was across the board and watching me play. <laughs> and then I get a, get cut the next day. Oh. I'm like, man. And that's when I got introduced to the business side. There was a linebacker that had gotten hurt. They needed to replace him. And, mm-hmm. You know, I was just a camp leg. And that's when I got hit. I'm like, oh, this is how this works. Yeah, and it's interesting because there's so many players, younger players especially, don't understand that side of it. Where mm-hmm. it is oftentimes a numbers scenario where one if, if you need a spot in one position someone has to go unfortunately yeah. and it's shitty it's sad to make it sound like that but that's and sometimes especially when you're a young, young guy undrafted you get caught up in that shit yeah and it's just like you said it's just a numbers game but the way I saw it I was like man I was just very fortunate you know I got to sure. a kid from La Jolla, Texas you know when you, when you saw the first one go through were you oh, what, what's I the mean, I mean the first one ever so man, it was. I think they were both short, you know, both fields. So, you know, sure. I was thirty six, right? But it's just when I made both. When I made the first one, I was like, and then we're playing the Georgia Knoll. Man, I was like, wow, I can, I can do this. That's when it like, it hit me. I was like, wow, I can do this. And it just set a sense of relief, man. Sure, right. So, uh, but yeah, that's where the whole journey started. Going like. So I'm looking at the timeline here, Sergio, and it's interesting. So the the Falcons say thanks on in august of 2014 and then you sign here about a year later mm-hmm. what happened in that window when it's a year so when i got released from uh, atlanta my soccer coach coach Domez, like my dad he now has a soccer had a soccer job in Southside high school in san antonio texas mm-hmm. he's like he said he'll come work for me and come train while you get on on another team my agent at the time was telling me hey serge you know this you didn't well you should maybe there might be another show. So I was like, all right. That turned into a year. Yeah. While I was working at Southside High, I was making eleven dollars an hour. And uh, I was basically a, his assistant for soccer and I was working in an alternative center so where all the kids misbehave yeah. and they'll set them there for a certain amount of time. And uh, but I didn't have a car. So I had to take a bus every day to work. And every day I left in the in the morning, four twenty two in the morning. Jeez. I got to the school at five forty six in the morning. I got in touch with the custodian. He opened me in the gym. And I was able to work out from six to seven thirty and then I worked from eight to three. We had soccer practice at school and then do it all over again. Yeah. yeah. And that was my that was my routine for a whole year. And this is where I learned that people are brought to your life for a reason, season or lifetime. A reason to give you a message or a lesson in life. There's some people only need a life for a season. Your season being in high school, season being in college, etc. And there's some people that run to your life for a lifetime, forever. My bus driver, Mr. Andre Fulton, will run to my life for a reason in a short season of two months. In San Antonio, the way the bus system works, they change your route every three months, the bus drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, so one day, Mr. Fulton, he asked me, hey, Serge, why are you carrying your book bag and your footballs with you every day? What's your story? Tell me about you. And I started telling him, you know, I just got caught by Atlanta, you know, and I'm trying to pursue a master's to become a principal, high school, we must go. Like, okay. So he starts telling me his story, right? And um uh, kind of find out he's a millionaire. And I'm like, first of all, and I'm like, Mr. Fulton, if you're a millionaire, why are you driving a bus for a morning? It didn't make any sense. 
Yeah. And he says, Serge, that dude's inspired. The first two seconds, I'm like, wow, respect for this guy. And then I'm like, no, this guy's bullshit. Right? A couple weeks go by. It's an hour and 24 minute bus ride. Our relationship grows. There's only five people on the bus. So we just start chit-chatting. And it broke one Friday morning. He drops me off at school. Said, yo, here's my address. My wife and my kids, you know, we're going to have dinner. We're more than welcome to come and join if you like. All right? I show up that Sunday. Dude had freaking man. Sure, I knew it. I knew it. A mansion. Him and his wife were big-time real estate agents on the side. Next thing you know, I started seeing the space on billboards in San Antonio. I was caught. I'm like, Mr. Fulton, teach me, feed me your peanut. He's like, all right, be ready tomorrow morning. I'm so excited. He's like, Hurt Serge, have you ever heard of the vision one? I'm like, no. He's like, there's a quote, and it says, write the vision plainly down on tablet so he or she who reads them may run with it. Write the goals, write the vision down on paper. I'm like, okay, it's too easy. He's like, Serge, what I want you to do is, when you get on the computer, and I want you to print pictures of your dreams. I'm like, okay. And he's like, but I want you to think real good about these dreams. And then I'm going to show you the post board and glue them on there. I was like, all right. So I started thinking of these dreams, right? Um, the first dream was, it was two pictures. They consisted two wedding rings. And it was a cartoon picture. And it was just like a lot of people hanging out at a barbecue. And I titled it Castillo's Family Reunion. My biggest dream was to have a family. I grew up with my dad. So for me, I never knew what it meant to eat at the dinner table with mom and dad. Mm. But then I had my uncles and I had my, I would go to my best friends, you know, hang out with them and also with their family. But I always felt like I was missing something, right? So that was my biggest dream is to have a family. The second one is uh, I put two pictures, no, three pictures, put the NFL and the CFL logo, and then I put a picture of me kicking with the Atlanta Falcons jersey. I'm like, you know what? I want to get back into the league. Third one, I tabled it, Principal Castillo. I don't want to be a principal, right? I was pursuing my master's at the time. Yeah. So I put those three, those three dreams on the post board. Next morning, I come out. Mr. Fulton picks me up. I'm like, boom, here's my vision board. He's like, all right, Serge, explain me this dream. Explain me this dream. Explain me this dream. So I'm telling him, okay, I want to be a family man, right? I want to have a family. And it's like, these thoughts come in the back of my mind. Serge, you didn't have a dad. Your mom never met her dad. What makes you think you're going to break inside? The second dream, I want to go, I want to play pro, right? 32 teams in the NFL, nine in Canada, 41 jobs in the whole world. What well, makes me think I'm gonna be one of the 41? I'm thinking of all these odds now, right? And the third one was to become a principal. I was done with football in college, so I didn't have a scholarship no more. How am I gonna pay for my school? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it was a full take career my money. And like I said, you know, 60 to 72% of the thoughts you think are negative. When you walk, do you think left, right, left, or you just walk? No, you just walk. He's like, your mind is so good at thinking negative because you don't have to try. It's like walking. And people say, well, think positive. It's like, oh, shit. Well, how do you do it? Yeah. He said, Serge, that vision board is going to be the first thing you see when you wake up. It's going to be the last thing you see before you go to bed. And it's going to remind you on bad days that you're going to have who you're going to become in the future. So all the times that I got cut, which was probably more than 10 now, when I tore my ACL in 2017, people asked me, what kept you going? Obviously, you have, I had my circle of friends wife my family right you are what you eat you are what you think i kept seeing the vision board kept feeding my mind where i was going every day i printed out a contract every day and i spread a different date and a different team and i was just pricing my signature why because we're emotional people you watch a funny movie you laugh you watch a scary one you tense up i know the emotion of signing a contract or how pump it gets me so if i can create that positive emotion every morning i'm like let's fucking go sure <laughs> So it's wild, man. That's a wild story. Yeah. 
Do you still talk to the bus drivers? I did. So when I made it to the NFL yeah. and they made a story about the vision board, I, I, I finally found him on Facebook. It took me years to find him. And I sent him the the story about the vision board and he was like, it was like crazy. I was just riding the bus with him, you know, <laughs> six, eight years ago. Yeah, that's why. So, so you have your first stop here, right? Or your first of three here, mm. and now Ottawa, and then Hamilton. And and you mentioned the ACL injury. That was here, was it not? Yeah, October 6, 2017. Okay. And I was trying to be an athlete. Yeah. Back, you know, back then your boy was 182 pounds with a little six pack, thinking he'd be fast. Saw Maurice Legan. Well, try to cut. I remember, I remember watching it. Yeah. Watching it. Uh, being a new way. Yeah, I knew, you know, as soon as I planted and wanted to cut to my left, the knee buckled and I'm like, this is different. This is weird. And uh, yeah, I just knew right off the bat. And it was just, back then I used to be more daredevil. You know, I would want to make tackles and now I only have five sprints a year. And I'm going to use them when I have Right. So that was, that was also, the, that, was that also the same season where uh, you, you attempted to fake and, and Oh my gosh, yeah, we're losing 30 something to zero against uh, Calgary, and we haven't practicing fake, that, that, you know, on punt. That's when I used to punt back in the day. And then we're in the middle of the field and had to run to the hash and then throw it to the guy that goes out on what position is. And in practice, everything is fine because no there's no flying bullets, right? Yeah. Well, when well, like they come to me search, we need to spark an offense. <laughs> All right, let's do it, right? <laughs> and uh, I remember I could have sworn I ran to the hash. Like you look at the film, I only took two steps. <laughs> Next, you know, as soon as I let the ball go, I just feel like this train ran over me. I could there, I didn't see him. If not, I would have got it. Probably would have thrown the ball, and uh, I just got rocked. Threw the ball. It was incomplete. Next day, I was sore as heck. I was like, nah, I know what you guys feel. Except I only had one play that I got hit. Yeah. So you, you go through, uh, you end up back in, B, in, in BC in 2019. And were we, so you were there all season? Was that right? Mm-hmm. All season. And you, think you guys had a bad year there. You, or was that? Yeah. Was, that Mike, was Mike Riley there at that point? Yes. He, okay. Yeah. That was, his, that was his first year, maybe? First year, yep. Okay. okay. So let's, let's kind of transition through, uh, through 20, 2019 and then in 2020. And how the NFL opportunity kind of came to be. So 2019, I finish on BC. 2020, I go to the XFL, Houston Roughnecks. COVID happened. No NFL happened, like calls happened after that. So I signed a two-year deal uh, with BC. And I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm done chasing it, right? It's not happening. I'm getting older. I get that. And then COVID happened. They gave us the option where, you know, you could stay your contract. And, uh, yes. Or you can get out of it and try for the NFL, right? And I know we said in our contract we're going to get some type of salary. And I did not make this decision on my own because now it was not about me. We were pregnant. And my wife was pregnant at the time. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to present two options to her. Whatever she decides, we're going to go with it. You know, because we have a baby on mm-hmm. And she said, Sergio, back when I met you in 2015, you said you were going to make You're going to get out of the contract. I was like, all right, let's go. I could have sworn she was gonna stay. I could have sworn she was gonna say, "We need to be. We need to have some type of security, stability, stability. Yeah. You know, some type of income coming in. You're gonna stay in that country. No, she said, "You're getting out of the country." I was like, "All right, let's go." Um, had a couple of tryouts. Went to Pittsburgh and uh, Cleveland. You know, did well. Did not get signed. And then I remember it was um, it was a Thursday morning. 
And I remember my agent called me and said, hey, sir, is the, uh, the Jets might be flying you in. You need a cowboy guy. I'm like, hey, that's me, you know? And sure enough, the, they're like, hey, sir, your flight is like four or five in the afternoon. I'm like, oh, it's Thursday, you know? I'm running off Jonas, you know, underwear, so I have time to do some laundry. They call me at two hours later, like 11 o'clock. They're like, hey, sir, your flight is at 2.30. I'm like, all right, I'm from Lubbock, Texas, because we need you tonight to start the COVID process. It's a five days right. test. Lubbock is an hour, 45 minutes. It was 11 o'clock. I call my girl. I'm like, hey, you got to get out of school right now. She's like, why? I'm like, I got to travel with Jess, but I got to go to Lubbock. I packed literally two underwears, two shorts, shirt, and my cleats. And I get there, it was like 30 damn degrees Fahrenheit. And I no sweater. I was like, God damn. Um, yeah, so I do the five days of COVID testing, right? And uh, we finally do the tryout, and it's me and Lerum Harulaku. Yeah, do the tryout. We both go five for seven on field goals, you know, even dead even. But then on punts, I don't know what happened. I just started booming. <laughs> I had like ten or twelve punts, and they were all outside the numbers. Not one wobbly, all spiral nose over, and Lerum was like. You've been praising on plenty. I'm like, not really. And my mom, like, not really, but it was just my day. I just had a day. Yeah. And I was still kind of nervous, you know. You know, like, I did very well on and I think that's what's really separating me. They signed me, right? So I'm all excited, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go back to bed. It was a Wednesday. You know, I'm like, I'm excited to go back to bed because I didn't sleep the night before. I was so anxious. They're like, Serge, we have practice an hour and a half. I'm like, oh, man. Like, but you can go have some lunch. I was like, all right, so I go have some lunch. Well, it was COVID, right? So when there's only one person per table, and I'm eating my lunch, right? And out of nowhere, this um, lady, kind of like my lady, grandma's age, comes up to me, and we start chit-chatting, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, Spanish? I'm like, see? And she's like, oh. We started talking, blah, blah, She's like, after a couple of minutes, she's like, hey, mijo, mijo, eat some. She's like, hey, you can't be eating here. Tell me for the players. And I'm like, that's for that he told me. Yeah, and she's like, that's, that's you got to get back to work. I'm like, I am one of the players. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she didn't believe it. And I showed her my badge and everything. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry, Rico. She called everyone from the the lunchroom, the custodians. There was like 10 or 12 Latinos in there. Man, after that, they treated me like a king. Well, they, from what I remember, that, that in the New York Jets story that they did on their website, you were the, only the second Latino kicker in, in their history, I think. Yeah. And so that's probably why... It's so, so as it is with not many Latinos kicking yeah, in the right. or playing right. in the NFL, right? And um, I was just so happy to be there. I was I'm back, you know, Sam Ficken was kicking really well at the time. Yeah. And we, so week one, the week, the first week that I was there, we go to Miami and uh, Sam kicks a 55 and he's like 100% at the time. Like I said, I'm happy just to be there. I don't care if I play it down. It took me seven years, six years after college to finally make it to the NFL. I'm, I'm happy. Well, I remember it was Tuesday. Tuesday's the day off, right? I go get a little workout in. Wander custodian, he's like, he's a very spiritual guy. Now I'm a spiritual guy too, right? Religious guy. He's like, he said, you know, just pray to God just to give you a chance. I struggle with praying. I don't pray. I write. I write to him. So I'm like, all right, Juan, I'm about to do this. Let's see, I'll pray to him tonight. So Wednesday's always day one in the NFL within Sunday's right? So I'm about to go to bed. I'm like, you know what, God, if it's in your will, let me, let me play. Next day, Sam Ficken pops his going. No way. I'm like, what? Coach Boyd's best team's coach. He's like, can you kick? I'm like, yeah, I'm ready to go. And uh, so they backed up. Field goal period was supposed to be like in five minutes. They moved in another 10, 15 minutes. I could start warming up. 
And um, I remember the way they did it was you had two field goal periods. The first period, you only had three field goals. You started from PAT to the mid-40s, and then they do an offensive period or defense period, and then you went from mid-40s to high mid-50s. That's how they did it. And I ended up going, um, I ended up going six from six that day. And I can't remember who came up to me, what coach. He's like, Seth, you just got a thousand bucks. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we bet it, you know, we be the coaches, you know, and I bet it that you were make all. Wow. <laughs> so it's not a bad first day, right? Yeah, after. Okay. And uh, so they told me, hey, Seth, you're thinking it's day to day. So I was like, all right. So day two, specialist, we don't practice at all. Day three, said, yo, you're gonna go kick a game. The thick in my play Sunday, but you're, you're gonna get the reps today. All right, so finally Friday, Saturday, comes along and I said, yo, you're playing tomorrow. Oh, what? Is and this a home game? This is a home game. Okay. It, was gonna, it was October 25th. 24th, you're activated to the active roster. Yeah, I think it was the 25th. You're right, yeah. Uh, 2020 is when he debuted it. And have y'all ever seen the movie, The Rookie? Oh yeah. Dennis Quaid? Yeah. That was one of my favorite movies. I'm a big visionary guy. Yeah. There's this scene where he calls his wife and he tells him, hey, can you ring my sports coat to ring to Texas State? Arlington. Arlington. Yeah. And I I envisioned that moment so many times. I called Coach Mess, I called my mom, I called Adriana, and I called people who have helped me along the way. But those were the first three people that he called because they've been with me throughout the whole journey. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow at one o'clock? And I'm like, nothing, why? I'm like, well, turn on CVS as your boy's playing. Yeah. And- What a oh, moment, Jay. Oh, yes. And so Sam Darwin had gotten hurt, so Joe Flacco was starting. And so him and Frank Ward pulling, pulling, they're passing, they're running, first drive, we get a real short, first we get a field goal right off the bat, you know, just to lay off the nurse, 29 yards, boom. Make it, and as I'm going from the, as soon as I kick it, so I get to the sideline, these tears start coming down because I start reminiscing on them. the journey just to get there, right? All the sacrifice my mom has to do. You know, I remember my mom would save up all the money she had, and sometimes I had to ask for friends for for money, you know, family and friends, just to go to these kicking camps in Arizona or Florida, you know, and. You know, what do you want for Christmas, Junior? I just want to go to the kicking game. I just want to learn, right? And I started thinking about that. Uh, when I told my, you know, when I first met my, my girl, she was like, Sergio, you focus on, you like to pay the bills. Because mm-hmm. I know this journey's hard. Because she used to play pro soccer back in Israel. So she knows, she understands um, how this journey is. And so that came to mind when I tore my ACL, you know, and she was there, my mom was there. And I started, these tears just start coming down. And I had to brush them away real quick. It was really the first drive of the game. Right. And I ended up kicking uh, an extra point. And I was like, wow, like it finally happened. And uh, I'm like, man, if I don't play again, I'm mad. Sure. And then, um, so the next week, again, we're day one. Sergio, San Ficken is a maybe. So I kicked day one. Day three, I kick again. And then Sergio, we don't know if you're playing or not. And so earlier in the week of that of that second week that I might play, I call Adriana and I call my mom. I'm like, buy a ticket to Kansas City in case I play because that's the only team they were playing with fans. Yes. And they allowed twenty five percent. 
you might ask, why didn't you pay for it? Because you get paid every two weeks, and I didn't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> so on the on the flight to Kansas City, you wrote wrote some letters. Yes, yes. So uh, when I was in sixth grade, I had a dream, and I saw my mom and my future wife watching me play. And my future wife was pregnant. I was just since I was middle school, sixth grade, twelve years old. I didn't know who my girls would be, right? But I kept having that dream at least once a year. And then when I tore my ACL, it was constant. It was like a reminder. Mm. Search, don't give up, keep going, keep going. I was like, so on the plane ride to Kansas City, I ran a letter to my mom and to Adriana. I had never told anyone about that dream, about how my dream was about to come true on November 1st against Kansas City, which is my birthday, my 30th birthday. Mm. Same, same day as the game? Yeah. No, we're And what did you get for the 50 yards? So, yes, I got when um, I started with a 39. And um, I remember looking up for my mom and, and Adriana. They were up there with Jesus Christ. It's the only tickets they gave us all the way in sure. yeah, yeah, <laughs> And I just yeah. saw this. They had a big old, had a big old poncho for sure. the Jets. <laughs> and uh, and I were pointing at them. And then, um, so we switch, going to the other side. And they yell punt. It's the second quarter. And I th two things come to my mind. I'm like, Sam Ficken might be coming back next week. And I'm like, shoot, I have a baby coming. I have to put food on the table now. I see it's a 50 something yarder. I tell Boyer, I'm like, fuck it, let's kick it. And that's just the, the relationship we had, you know? He's like, you sure? And I don't even give him the opportunity. I just start running on yeah, the field. Yeah. And I just start like giving him the sign, like, let's go. He's like, oh, punt off your goal. And I remember I missed him the shit out of the ball. Like I told it. I'm like, oh, my God, this ball's not even going to reach. And I'm about to be embarrassed on national TV. I don't even care if I make it. I'm telling myself as it came off my foot. So I started asking, did I reach it? And something like, as you made it, fool. And I was just like, hell yeah, 55 yards. And it had like another eight, nine yards to spare uh, to go. And I remember just pointing to Adrian and my mom and looking at a, a 48 after that. And then uh, what a moment! Oh, it, it 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 was in the same game. In the same game, and then uh, right before the half, uh, I got blocked. Uh, as soon as I took my jab step, I saw someone a red jersey coming on the right side. You heard the double thud. Next thing you know, I think I'm running fast. I look at the replay. I look slow motion. So, yeah. <laughs> so that that was that was my biggest game. Well, I think the following week we had a Monday night game against yes. New England. Uh, I had a 35 and a. In the 50, and then, you know, I started well the first six games, and um, all of a sudden, like, I started the last two weeks where I, because I played seven games, the last two, the sixth and the seventh week, I had, I put this pressure on myself that I had never had before mm. to be perfect. I don't know why. And it was just weird. And then I started dealing with anxiety. I couldn't, I couldn't go anywhere without, I felt like I was just in a box and I couldn't breathe. And the seventh game, it just fell apart. You know, I, I had a, started with a 45-yarder in the first quarter against Seattle. And then... At home? No, in Seattle. Mind you, it's, there's, there's no fans, though, right? So True, yeah. It, it was still kind of... It's not like, oh, it was loud or anything. In the second quarter, I all went to shit. And I hit up. I missed a 42, 41, and a 38. It's not in the same quarter? Same quarter. Shit. And it's just... I knew... I know how the business works, yeah, yeah, yeah. especially in the film. Yeah. I knew my, I, as soon as I got on the, on the plane, I called a gentleman, start packing the bags. He's just like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm gonna get cut. Like, I just know how this works. Right. And uh, fortunately they cut me, but they signed me to the Peace Squad. Mm -hmm. So I was able to finish the practice roster 
the following year, and um, that's how Jared was born in in uh, New Jersey. <laughs> so playing with no the, the whole no fans thing, we obviously did that up here. Uh, season was missed, but the and what are I was so I ended up going to a uh, to see a, a buddy of mine uh, in in a, in Arizona for a year, and uh, no, there was it was a friends and family only. Mm, yes, there are results to do that. Yeah. So there was maybe three or four hundred people there, mm-hmm. and it was it was one of the weirdest football experiences I've ever had. It just they like, heard everything. You could hear everything, and the guy I went with, um, a buddy of mine, he said so they were serving like it was the the concession the robe and everything. It was full on operation, except mm-hmm. there was it was like three or four hundred people. Like, it was like a practice. Yeah, he so. So the guy that my buddy that I went with was he was into the beers pretty good and he couldn't he didn't really put it together that all the people sitting around us are friends or family of the guys on the field. So you know, uh, so so we're 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 down there to to watch Chris, uh, Chris Stroh. So yeah, Kyle Murray has a couple of one offs and and he says, Jesus, hey, put Chris Strivler in," and I'm just like, "Oh my god." Because <laughs> everybody can hear everything. Yeah, like it's all like the players can hear everything. But families here. So, what an experience from a, from a, and for a player. It must have been pretty weird to be in those. It just felt like you were in a practice yeah. the whole time, right? Especially because you could hear everything that was being communicated yeah. on offense and defense. Yeah. Right. So it was definitely different. You know, when we played at at home, they tried to put like the noise. Yeah. But it just wasn't the same. No, it wasn't the same. So. If it, the one game I said I got spoiled from fans was against 25%, but if run, it was out either way. Sure. I can only imagine that thing at yeah, 100% capacity. Uh, yeah. And when you're going from zero to that, it's it probably feels like a lot. Yeah, exactly. We've kept you a long, long, a long time. No, I saw it. I just wanted to kind of, yeah, fast forward to when you came back in 2021. So, BC had your right still. Correct. Yeah, and we make that deal right there. Talk, talk about the first of all that deal because that was, uh, yeah. So I mean that was this around the trade deadline, right? October nineteen. It says here that had would have been later that year yeah, because uh, of the, the season was different. Yes, yeah, great. Yeah, it was uh, an exact date. Uh, it says October nineteen. The deal. Okay, so yeah, I mean, you you might have been, in, you know, I, 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 well, I don't want to get, get us in trouble here, so I I don't want to think. Uh, yeah, I, I I would have been not speaking uh, English. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, shit, it, it was a franchise-changing trade. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, that great cup game, going to Hamilton, a nightmare for kickers sometimes. Uh, and, and, and a game where our guy kicked five field goals. Yeah. We. Yeah, well, we let's talk about that a little bit. Because, I'm not sitting here with two great cups right in a row with them. Well, we're so. Darren touched on it. That place is notorious for the the weird wins, and mm-hmm. you know you'll you look at the statistical report from that day, and it'll say wins from wherever for like eighteen to twenty kilometers an hour, and it's like bullshit. It's swirling all it over was the place. Way it was crazy. It felt like I was back home in Edinburgh. Oh yeah, and that's so, where I feel, uh, when I train kickers and when I train by myself, and I have a bad day over there, I'm like, or if I have a if I hear there's gonna be a win here, I'm like, if you kick in Edinburgh, if you kick any. Because over there, like it's a 20, 25 mile per, miles per hour day is a normal day yeah. for us. 
right? If it gets to 30, I don't practice because you kick 10 the ball 10 yards and it just goes, it's gone. Right. Right. So that brought me peace going into that game. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? I train this every day. Now, it was pretty strong, normal than usual, right? Yeah. In 2017, all the games that I had in Hamilton there, I'm, there was another win like that. Really? That's strong, right? Could have been that word later in December, too, yeah. right? Uh, but that year, I I had mentioned to you guys, I was dealing with anxiety in 2020. And then my son was born, and then my anxiety went up the roof. Like, it was just ridiculous. Uh, I had a macho type of mindset when people said, oh, I'm depressed or I'm going through anxiety. And I thought, oh, that's bullshit. Yeah. Just deal with it. But when I went through it, I'm like, oh, shit, this, this is real. Right? And for me, um, I've never been, I had never thought about death. Right? And now, obviously, as soon as my son were born, I don't know why. It's just like, for me, it's like I'm scared of losing yeah. my son or my wife. It's just, and it was just a constant thing, and I couldn't get over it. It was so bad. So my wife and I, we own a gym in Amarillo. And the high school where she used to work at until this past year, uh, that gym is right next to her her high school where she works at. And she's a Spanish teacher in soccer coach. And uh, I will start gym classes uh, at 8, and she starts her school teaching at 8. Right? My anxiety was so bad. Normally, I like to be there early to the gym. She takes off the last second possible to get to school. My anxiety was so bad, I would take off at the same time as her because I wanted to make sure she got to school. So I was dealing with some hardcore anxiety. Mm-hmm. So when the, the, the to come over here to Winnipeg in 21, I didn't want to because I'm like, if I'm, if I'm not watching her, like not watching her step, but it's just like, I don't know how I'm gonna deal with it, yeah. right? And uh, that's where I go back to being vulnerable with the guys mm-hmm. and right off the bat. And you know why I deal with this too. I do like you start with it. It's like oh, I'm not the only one. Mm-hmm. Now I can lean on someone, and so that helped me through. And obviously, you know, it was a sh- you know six weeks. Yeah. So you know, the family was able to come up at least two, uh, three games, which was still good. You know, at the time, Jerry, I had to pay for a ticket. Rick, <laughs> now he's two years old. It's like damn. Um, and obviously, having support from you guys, Wade, as well. You know, he's like. Me being vulnerable, letting all about that, and be like, well, we'll find a way. We'll help you guys out, man. Like that, that went a long way, mm-hmm. and that's when he was like, all right, let's let's, uh, let's go to Winnipeg. Did he kick. So you kicked the five field goals, make the argument of the Great Cup MVP, and then I remember being in the locker room afterwards. Your family was in there, yeah, right, and then. Like a lot of guys had a lot of fun after winning that great cup. You had a lot of fun. I still remember the the, the parade kind oh, of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Had the wrestling mask. Yeah. So it's funny because you're telling me about the anxiety you went through, but it was it's almost like that felt like a big exhale or something. Yeah, it made it through that one year's cup. But and here's the thing: I was trying to find myself again mm. because I'm like I had the last game I had played before coming here was when I went one for four against Seattle. Right. And I have all these doubts. I'm like, well, can I do it? Can I kick? And then I come here, the first game I miss a 37. And I'm like, what the heck? Did you miss your first one? No, it wasn't the first one, but I think it was the third one. And then and I came back, and I think we were up by seven in the fourth against Montreal, and I hit a 45, something like that. I'm like, okay, yeah. I'm able to close it out. Okay, right? So that gave me some confidence. A big confidence booster was uh, Calgary. Calgary, yeah, yeah. And he was like, 345 plus yarders. Yes. Um, 
And um, that was a big confidence booster, right? And I, I'm like, you know what? I'm back. And I noticed I was back because the day of the game, I um, had a one-day pass of good life. So I'm like, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It was the morning. If I got a bus and I went to the good life. While I'm walking in, right? I'm big on pre-workout, right? I see a C4. I buy my I'm gonna take a couple sips before you know it. I take the whole thing in the sauna. I get a full on back and bicep workout that morning. Like a good hour and a half. My wife calls me, she's like, hey, you know, my mom's here, your mom's here. We're making they brought some homemade tortillas from back home. We're making some breakfast burritos. You wanna come over? I'm like, heck yeah. So they pick me up, we go to the Airbnb they're at. Some good traditional Mexican salsa. My son's watching watching Shrek. Shrek is my favorite. You saw him watching Shrek. I only get to watch half of it because I have to come back to the hotel. And uh, so I'm feeling myself, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm back to me. I'm not really thinking, what oh, am I going to miss? Oh, I'm back to just living in the moment. Yeah. Well, it's halftime. It's a longer halftime than usual. Yes. Right? Because of the show. Yes. What do I do? I finish Shrek. In the locker? In the locker. Yeah. I went to the trainer's room. I, I got on the, the, the one of the beds, the tables. And lay down and just finish Shrek. And that's when he's like, okay, I'm back. Yeah, wow. Back to being myself, being, you know, being goofy, just being loose. Yeah. And it was here with you guys. And then you guys know the rest of the, the story. Awesome. More to come. More to come. Yes. More to come. You said early on, we'll, we'll, end it, we'll end it with this, but you said early on that uh, maybe Edmonton wanted to, go, wanted to go younger. You know, you kick for another like 10 years. Yes. I'm, Kickers can go on forever. Yes. Yes. I, I mean, I've, I want to... I want to finish my career here. I want to kick to him 45. I want my kid. I hopefully I have more, right? I yeah. want to have a basketball team. You know, good luck to them. <laughs> you know, I wanted 10, but I started late, you know, so a basketball team will do. A soccer team can't too big for that right now. Okay. But uh, I want my kids to watch, my kid to watch and, be, and remember. Sure. Right? So I, I, I truly, truly believe I keep working the six pound brain up here, six pound muscle, which is the most important one. I stay, keep training, stay healthy, to make my kicks. I feel like I can kick into 10, 15 years. Why not, right? Well, shit, kickers, kickers are going now. They're, yeah, going, it, they're going late. Yes, you, you saw Matt Bryant, 44. Yeah. Um, you know, who's they, there's a there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah. They're, 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 they can go up there in age, probably different, more different than any position. Mm -hmm. All right, man, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, you're a character. Awesome. Everybody thank loves you. you. Thanks for thanks for doing this. Well, thanks for having me here. And they said, we'll have tacos, tequila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good it'll, it'll bring it. <laughs> Perfect. I'm not bringing the tacos. I'll bring the tequila. No, yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. All right, thanks, <laughs> buddy. Thanks, Sergio. Thank you. Three, two, one.